Don't catch it on me Little homie from the East Bush Brown Tim's blue jeans in my fleece hood Welcome to a guest in the house I'm Mickey Hess and I'm here with David Shanks A.K.A. Trom Diggs A.K.A. Trom Diggs A.K.A. Trom Diggs A.K.A. Diggsmatic A.K.A. MC Trauma, you talked about all of my cool aliases. <laughs> talked about how we keep the doctor in front of my name just because, you know, just to piss yeah. people off. Yeah, one of my aliases is Dr. Trauma. Dr. Trauma? Yeah, Dr. Trauma Love. Trom Digger Phelps? Trom Digger Phelps, yep. Yeah, where'd that one come from? <sighs> just being creative. I like <laughs> the, it's an old coach. This old coach of um of a uh, Notre Dame basketball team. Old legendary coach Digger Phelps. That's right. He was a yeah. Ryder University alumnus. Ah, how yeah, about that? That's look where the, he did his undergrad. Look so at there, the connection. connection. Yeah, look at the connection. That's some stuff right there. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, heading into 2021. This will be our second episode of the new year. I thought we could talk a little bit about um, how to be an ally in everyday life. Mm. We talked about it in a lot of theoretical terms and broad societal terms, but I think a lot of white folks are presented with sort of little everyday challenges, mm. conversations that take place between two white people where you may have an opportunity to say, hey, let me, let me maybe urge you to think about this a little differently. Okay. And what a lot of us do is just kind of let it go. Um, maybe subtweet the person later. Mm. Um, you know, maybe make a joke about it to someone else down the road. Right. Um, but there's a lot of missed opportunities. And I'm thinking of one a couple years ago where I kind of froze up or mm. missed an opportunity. This was probably five or six years ago. I was living in What's a pretty wealthy town in, in South Jersey? Okay. And I was walking down the street and my neighbor said, hey, just a minute ago, there was a guy looking in our front window. Did you see him? And I was like, nope. And she said, well, it's probably nothing. He looked like you or me. He was probably just lost. Wow. <laughs> and I thought, damn. So <laughs> there's a guy looking in your window. She said he was like right up by the window. She had come outside, obviously, to see if the guy liked to watch where he was running off to or whatever. Mm -hmm. But she wrote it off because he looked he was white. He looked <laughs> like assume, right. And and the language there, he looked like you or me. You or me. Mm. Yeah. And I didn't say anything. Um you know, I, w I was walking my daughter down to the park. I guess I thought I don't, I don't even want to get into this. Mm -hmm. um, but that was a missed opportunity. I don't know if I would have changed that person's whole perspective on I, things. I doubt highly you would have. Yeah. So, what do you say in a situation like that? You know, thinking all our listeners out there, if you're presented with that kind of a conundrum, 
I think for me, I, I was a little slow on the uptake. I was just kind of puzzling over it for a couple of hours. And you know, here I am five or six years later, still kind of thinking about it. Like, what the hell was up with that? Yeah, yeah. i'm sure it was nothing he was probably lost like first of all if you're lost like you know your house you're not like looking in the front window of a house like is this where i live (laughs) there's just no logic to it right and where's the safety in the fact that somebody well you know he might have been up to no good but he looked like me or you Mm. Mm -mm -mm. yeah what do you make of that i'm you know it's funny because I'm thinking, you know, of the young man in Georgia mm. who was um, killed for perusing a construction site. Right. <laughs> this wasn't even a house that was occupied. This was mm. a house being built and he was accused of uh, walking into the project and, mm. and taking a look on his jog and was chased down and murdered. And, you know, because I guess he didn't look like you or your neighbor. Right. (laughs) And so, yeah, that, when you describe that, that's the first thing that came to my mind. Like, wow, not looking like quote unquote, you or me can get you killed. Right. <laughs> in that cir- in that's in that circumstance because yeah. yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure if you know if I had thought that it was your house and went to the wrong house looking for you and took a look in to see if you were in uh-huh. there, I'm pretty sure I you know, there'd be authorities called and there may have been a, you know, a situation. You know, from what I know of this person, um, she would have probably had the SWAT team there. Oh my god. Yeah. 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 And so what is, yeah, you're talking about um, what they call the implicit, you know, implicit bias and, you know, what are these kind of entrenched feelings and thoughts and and, that we have of people who are different from us. And, you know, we talked before about, and I don't know that you know, that's a crusade that you can go on single-handedly and make sure that you let everyone who has implicit bias, you know, you're not going to jump into an implicit bias training right on your front lawn. Like, you know, (laughs) I don't know that that's expected of you. However, the question is, yeah, what is the responsibility of, you know, the white folks who know better <laughs> when enco- when encountered by you know that type of ignorance and you know how does confronting that make it easier for those of us who may be subjected to it you know either on in the moment or down the line you know, maybe that gives, maybe it does give her something to think about when you, um, you know, had you said something to her or at least made her feel stupid for saying that. <laughs> right. Because, I mean, you see that kind of thinking doesn't even serve her. She let this guy run off. I mean, who knows if he, if he came back and scoped out the place a little more, right? Exactly. Exactly. And I'm not, I, I mean, uh, you know, did you guys have the same hair color? Like what? 
No, no, we had the same skin color. <laughs> because, <laughs> that was you know, I it. guess my, I mean, I guess if you know, and like you said, you're completely caught off guard by something like that. But you know, what I mean, you want, you almost want to act like I didn't realize we looked alike. Right? <laughs> yeah, 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 alike in what regard? <laughs> yeah, exactly. What right. exactly? How so do we look alike? I don't. <laughs> Yeah, and you know, honestly, in the same neighborhood, it didn't go as far as Maud Arbery, fortunately. Yeah, fortunately. But there was a kid, you know, a few blocks away who came home, didn't have his key, climbed in through a window. Mm. Uh, a black kid about 14 or 15 years old, somebody had the cops right there. Mm-hmm. So there you have, you know, the neighbors saw this kid walk around all the time, course, but uh, well, didn't you know. register that he was like them. Right. Because he didn't look like them. Right, 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 right. We talked about that. Um, uh, I talked about that old neighbor I had who, you know what I mean? When I got to a certain age, yeah. she wouldn't, you know, there was no eye contact or wouldn't recognize me unless I was, you know, in front of my house. Now, her dynamic is a little different because she was living in a majority you know, black neighborhood. But if the situation was reversed now... And, you know, I was in the majority white neighborhood. I could see where, you know, all of a sudden, you know, I climb into my window and now it's like I'm not a neighbor. I'm not. (laughs) I'm just a black guy climbing in a window. Yeah. Happened to (laughs) Henry Louis Gates. It did. Harvard professor going in his house, coming back from vacation. Mm -hmm. They arrested him standing in his living room. Mm -hmm. In his own living room. Yeah. Imagine. 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 So, I mean, I think what we talked about um, on previous episodes was the the culture, and, and and you know what biases and what kind of behaviors are completely ignored, you know, in 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 these communities, like you know. I feel like, and I've experienced where black folks who may be on the um, quote unquote, and see even me saying extreme, you know, is um, basically the opposite of these biases that we see every day from white folks are seen as extreme in reverse. Mm. So the, you know what I mean? So the black yeah. guy who doesn't want to be around white people <laughs> or wants to live in his own community is an extremist. Mm-hmm. But, you know, your neighbor yeah. has these same feelings and they're, you know, perfectly normal, law-abiding, tax-paying, great people, great parents, great community members, and that's how they feel, you know what I mean? Innately, like that's just how they feel, right? And there's nothing extreme about it. It's pretty normal. But if I was to say, you know what? I really, I'd prefer to just live amongst black people. I really don't want white people in my neighborhood. I'd be an extremist. Hmm. So white enforced segregation is just kind of the norm Mm. in whatever form it takes today. Um, And it certainly takes a lot of forms today, but it's still segregation in schools, Mm -hmm. in neighborhoods, at public pools, Mm -hmm. across the board, right? So that's 
the standard, but it becomes extremist when it's at the initiative of a black person. It, it appears so. <laughs> at least, yeah. like I said, that's yeah. been my extreme. I mean, you know, we, you know, we, we, we not maybe two years ago, we had the, um, I won't even mention her on our podcast, but when that uh, that one pundit was running around here and there was the whole Black Panthers as a hate group yeah. thing going on. And it's like, no, no murders or crimes have really ever been committed by, you know, people who subscribe to be members of the Black Panther Party. There were no bombings. There were no, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it, they're a hate group for loving themselves. Yeah. That's a good way to put it, huh? Mm-hmm. Well, we saw this week that this town in Minnesota granted a permit to a church that wants to designate itself white only. Mm. Whites only church says it's not a racist thing. Just they want to have a whites only church. Right. And I mean, you contrast that with the uh, shooting just a couple years ago at a historical Mm-hmm black church that welcomed in a young white man to pray with them. To pray with them. And he massacred them. Yep. And they forgave him. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think if if a a church wanted to put forward a black-only church... I think that'd be a problem. Wouldn't that get dangerous real quick? I think so. I think so. And so, you know, what, when we talk about allyship, what is the role that, like I said, you know, the uh, the more forward thinking, the more, to- well, I don't even want to say tolerant, because mm-hmm. that's, that's like a trigger word, right? That's not even, what is tolerant? But, <laughs> you know, the reasonable white folks <laughs> in this world, like what is their role in that dynamic? You know what I mean? So like, what were you supposed to do or say to your neighbor? Should you have wrote a letter after the fact? Uh, you know, like, what do you do? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But somehow, some way, like we, we spoke about before that there needs, that person needs to know they're an extremist when they, say things like that right the same way i would know from my own peers you know like i said if i went on instagram and posted that there are black people who would say he's a hotep or he's a fake woke person or he's Mm. one of these revolutionary black guys like it's they would it would be said in jest exactly right by the majority of my my peers You know, so I would have to know that I'm operating on the fringe, like we talked about. I would have to keep that amongst me and my black revolutionary friends who talk and think like that. And I'd have to I'd know that the majority of my people don't think like that. Uh But I think, one, that the majority of the people in your in that particular neighborhood probably think like that. So she's more than comfortable saying it to you. You visited me in that neighborhood. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and two, those of you who do not subscribe to that line of thinking are not going to approach her about it. And that's where, like, I don't mean to frame this at all as if I'm asking you 
to tell me it's okay. <laughs> I, I know no. I fucked up. <laughs> and I'm not asking you to say, no, nah, no, nah, it's all right, man. You did everything you could because I didn't. Um, and I think where I probably dropped the ball the most is I was exaggerating. It was a little longer than five or six years ago. It's probably more like nine years ago because my daughter yeah. was young, too young to even really think about what was going on. Right. And that's where I think I would have really dropped the ball. If she were a little older, a little more cognizant of what people say, uh, right. I would have had to have said something. If it happened right. when she was you know, six, seven, today when she's 11, right. I, I would have to say, so look, man, you know, what did you think about what you heard this person say? What do you think she meant by that? Yeah, for sure. For sure. And if I hadn't have done that, I would have really fucked up. Like that yeah. neighbor, I'm I'm probably not gonna change her mind. I still should have said something. No, and I mean, I listen, I'm I'm not judging you for having not said anything because you know, I'm I encounter crap all the time that I just go. I'm not being bothered with this shit. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So I, I don't blame you at all for just being like, I'm not, I'm not, I don't got time for her. Take mine. Mm. But yeah, if, if Coco was conscious and could receive that, that would have definitely been a teachable moment that right. had you not taken the um, opportunity to teach would have been, I guess, what you would call a failure. That's a failure. Yeah, sure. I agree. I agree for sure. And that's like, when I'm in that role as a parent, it feels different. You know, I get in that mm. mentality or when I'm in the classroom, you know, if somebody were to say something to that effect in my classroom, I would step right on it immediately. Mm. Um, you know, try not to just like lay into the student, but, you know, yeah. try to say, okay, let's really focus on what you said here. You know, yeah. you said looks like us. So <laughs> tell me what you mean by that. You know, I would be right on it, but when I'm not operating as a parent, when I'm not operating as a professor or a teacher or a writer, I don't know. You get you get kind of trapped in just your own head, not wanting to Correct. deal with it. And is it your job, right? It's like, is it my job to school this person? You know what I mean? Right. If you're not a parent, you're not in a parenting role, you're not in a... um teacher role what is what is your responsibility you know what i mean and but at the same time you know i i, I like i said that that being normal behavior mm-hmm. is is problematic and you know i i was going to ask because you have the um experience of growing up in the south mm-hmm. and now living in you know one of the more liberal parts of the country that's what i'm told <laughs> <laughs> and you know what yeah like what has that experience been from an i guess explicit or implicit bias sense cuz i'm sure growing up i don't think you know implicit bias was a thing it was just kind of you probably knew like that guy's racist you know what i mean <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that guy he owns the shop of uh, you know two doors down but he's, he's a racist you know what i mean and now it's like no one's racist no one in that neighborhood in that zip code would cop to being a racist yeah man that's the trick you know and this is not just geography it's also time you know, because I, I haven't been, I haven't lived in Kentucky for 13 years now. Okay. And I haven't lived in rural Kentucky for like 26 years. Right. So um, 
I like to go back to that covert versus overt racism. That's going mm-hmm. back to Atrap Brown, Kwame Ture. Mm-hmm. Um, it is so covert in New Jersey. Yeah, I bet. It is absolutely there to at least the extent I saw in Kentucky, but there is a lot of like two white people end up in a room by themselves. When <laughs> one guy looks at you and says like, I'm going to say something fucked up to this guy <laughs> and see what he thinks about it. Mm. Um, mm. And that, you know, I've seen that happen in doctor's offices. Wow. Yeah. I've seen that happen in professional settings. Uh, just, I have heard people say some fucked up shit and assume that I'm not going to call them out on it, I guess, because it's two white people in a room. Wow. Reminds me of the old um, Saturday, Night, Saturday Night Live skit with Eddie Murphy's in, oh, white, my in, God. in Whiteface. Right? <laughs> I always wondered, like, do they really serve cocktails on the bus when the last black guy gets off? <laughs> he goes to the bank and they just hand him money, no questions <laughs> asked. Take it. <laughs> what do you mean? What do you mean application? <laughs> There's a little bit of that. Um <laughs> Nobody's handed me money or cocktails on the bus. Right, right, right. But yeah, as far as saying like, okay, man, we can stop pretending, right? It's just just me and you in here. We look alike. Wow. I have seen a lot of that. Mm. And I've gotten better at reacting to it because it was a little bit of a shock because generally, for the most part, when I lived in Kentucky, if somebody wanted to say something racist, they would just come right out with it. Right. They didn't mince words. They didn't wait till it was behind closed doors. They just fucking said it and right. thought people could deal with it. Right. And yeah, kind of the covert, the sneakier nature of it. Mm. Um, yeah, to be in those situations, especially when it's like, say it's your doctor, right? <laughs> say it's, it's your yeah. boss. Yeah. Those are the times when you're just like, man, did, did he really say that? Did I hear that right? Surely not. Mm. You almost try to talk yourself out of it for a second. I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah, and I mean, I guess you, you could still call it a form of microaggression. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, no, definitely. Certainly the effect would be different than if it was a white person speaking to a black person and saying, you know, the same nonsensical thing but mm. yeah, but the, i guess the point is that it it wouldn't be said and that's the scary part right that's the scary part right because at least you know in your experience growing up and you know uh experience of many people black and white that i've you know that i know that i've heard uh-huh. from this from the south it's like you know where you stand you know what i mean so it's like if they don't the white people who don't deal with you don't deal with you (laughs) you know what i mean and no right yeah and up here it's like you don't you don't have a clue it could be your teacher like you said it could be your doctor i'm sure that doctor sees black patients absolutely and then you think like well you know maybe i should i shouldn't just say something to him i should write a letter Mm -hmm. you know i should get this on record um, because that definitely there could be some harm he could create going forward. Well, we just we just we spoke about the um the um black doctor who mm-hmm. who who passed from COVID, who shared her experience of being what she says was discriminated against mm-hmm. by her black doctor in treatment and nurse. Yeah. So it absolutely does happen, right? Mm-hmm. And so where does, you know, where does the uh, these presumptions of guilt 
and you know these these uh, you know all of these preconceived kind of things how do they play out yeah i mean there's been a lot of good writing on the idea that white people didn't exactly confront and deal with their racism so much as couch it in different terms right you know the notion of color blindness um one of my yeah. writer colleagues sheena howard has a good documentary yeah. she made on uh the myth of color blindness mm. a book called racism without racists right uh by eduardo bonilla silva okay um cornell west has written about this joma aluo um claudia rankine you know this this comes up again and again the idea that you know the racism is still there um mm-hmm. White America just kind of came to understand it was to their benefit, their own benefit, to couch it in less direct terms or less overt terms. Right, right. And that feels like a very white thing to do. Right. <laughs> it does, huh? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, we're going to decide that this is, you know, it's going to be this way and this is how we're going to deal with it. And now it's done. It's over. We don't, we don't want to hear about it anymore. You know, and even the notion of like, you know, I'm, you know, uh, you're making me uncomfortable because you're bringing up race. Right. (laughs) So there's like the white fragility, all this Mm -hmm. stuff that we've mentioned before. And -hmm. again, you know, the benefit is all to the white person. Mm. You know, if that's your kind of thinking, you're saying, how do I make myself look good? How do I make myself look like a good person who understands and cares about people? You're not really thinking like, how do I really expand the way I think so that I won't have to walk around worrying so much about what I say hurting someone? Yeah. Yeah. It's who are you trying to benefit yourself or the next person? And then I, and that was very true. So then we get to, you know, what we've talked about before when we talk about overt and covert and I guess what the what the preference would be in my racism, how I how I like my racism. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. and, oh. and so I think about like there was a time where me and Rachel were contemplating a move to that area. Mm-hmm. Because it seems like a great place to raise a family. <laughs> yeah, I've had this conversation with a few of my friends. Yeah. And, you know, to think that I would, you know, make that move, feel completely justified and welcomed in making that move because, hey, look, my buddy Mickey lives around there. I've got some other friends who live around there. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I don't know, maybe it's Voss who experiences something in school. You know what I mean? Maybe yeah. it's Rachel who, you know, maybe, you know, maybe it's, maybe, maybe it's me. Maybe I'm, maybe I lock my keys out. And now, yeah. you know, I'd rather the white church who gets the permit to say, I don't want you here so that I can just not go there. <laughs> cause yeah. I don't, cause I don't care. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? I really don't like if, oh, this is whites only fine. (laughs) I just don't want to, I just don't want the assumption that I'm okay. And I'm really not. So you get too comfortable because it looks like it's safe and welcoming when really people harbor all these resentments and biases. Correct. Yeah. 
I mean, the, I guess the trick is, I don't know where to tell you to move. <laughs> that is the, I'm going to stay where I'm at <laughs> for now. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I've definitely, <laughs> I've definitely lived in places that were worse about these issues. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I've, I've had several black friends and colleagues ask me these same kind of questions. Mm. Um, about, you know, okay. So, you know, especially like a new faculty member just moving to the area or something mm-hmm. like, Hey, so tell me like what kind of town you live in? What's it like there? Um, it, I, I can't exactly reassure you. You know what I mean? I, ca- I can't lie about it. Right. But then again, like, I don't know <laughs> where you go to escape that. Where do you go to escape that? Yeah. 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 Man, and then like I don't know on the the inverse of that I guess is talking to a lot of writers and academics and professors. I do run into kind of like a smug certainty among white professors sometimes as, as if we're saying like well, we we kind of get all this shit. We've read books about it. Right. Um, not like those other white people out there. We're we're not those folks. We're yeah. not those folks. We're yeah. we're the good ones. We're the ones who've read a few books about race. We can tell you a few things about W.E.B. Du Bois or Cornell West. Um and that bugs me. Mm. It really mm. does for a few reasons. And then <laughs> on the other side of that, there's the I listen to hip hop. Yeah, right. <laughs> There's those guys. Like, what are you talking about? I'm, I'm, I grew up on hip hop. I'm a hip hop guy. I'm not, yeah. I'm not, I don't think like that. Yeah, and they tend to follow it by saying, "I don't even think about it being a black or a white thing." <laughs> it's not. <laughs> even, it's not even a. It's not. It's not even a black or white thing. It's hip hop. Yeah. Yeah, which is kind of a fucked up thing for a white person to say. That's almost like being colorblind, right? It's exactly like. <laughs> it, right? Yeah, I don't even see race. Mm-hmm. I just love the music. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so white people have some real work to do, <laughs> me included. As we well, we've got some work to do too on the other end for sure. But yeah, <laughs> I, I can throw one more everyday example at you where I just didn't know what to do. And this is again, I, I've read some stuff, I've written some stuff. I don't go around thinking I know all the answers, but I feel like I just froze again. This was. This was a day or two after George Floyd was murdered. Mm. And I live across from this park. I don't believe we've talked about this on the podcast. Okay. I can't recall either. Okay. So, so I, saw, far. I saw a black family gathering to have this picnic, this cookout at the park. Ah. And they've just like repaired this curb because people were driving over it all the time and like busting it up and like making tire tracks through the park. But mm. uh, people don't know. It looks like you can just drive up in it. So I saw black family get out of the car. They pulled up onto the curb. Um, not a big deal. <laughs> so I'm <laughs> setting up for their cookout. And I thought, man, one of my neighbors is going to call the cops. <laughs> Because, like, you're not man. supposed to park over there. Man. Knowing that with <laughs> certainty is so problematic. The fact yeah. that you knew that was going to happen. I knew. And then I thought, shit, man, please don't somebody call the cops. Like, I, I wish they hadn't parked there. It busts up the curb. People do it all the time. It sucks. Which I don't is, like it right. either. But 
it's the bad moment. You know, please yeah. somebody have the foresight or the humanity <laughs> not to fucking call the cops. And I was standing in the window and I even asked my wife, Danielle, I said, like, should I go over something. there? Yeah. Yeah. Should I say, how do I approach this? Do I say like, Hey, like I'm afraid somebody might call the cops on you guys. Well, I can't right. say that. Right. Um, like, what's the way to cushion this? <laughs> I mean, I, I'm not going to walk over there and say, hey, I write some books about race. <laughs> <laughs> trust, <laughs> me on, yeah. trust me on this one. I know where I'm at. I do this podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, I thought like, so if I go over there and say, hey, you know, you guys should probably move your car. I'm afraid somebody's going to call the cops on you. Then I kind of become the cops. Yeah. You know, I become like the neighborhood patrol saying like, yeah. well, we don't really want you to feel welcome here. Yeah. And then when the cops get called, they're going to say it was you. Cause yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. Say that was your passive aggressive way of saying, I'm going to call the cops on you. Yeah. Yeah. That sucks. Maybe you should have just um, called me next time and just let me know. Um, <laughs> yeah. How soon can you be here, man? Just listen, look out. listen, one of my best friends is a rapper. He's, <laughs> he's very pro-black. So you can take it from him. <laughs> and just put me on the phone Let's with him. Let's get you like, on the phone next yeah, time. Hey, like, hey, guys, hey, guys, whatever yeah. Mickey says, trust me, he has your best interests at heart. Get out. <laughs> I just don't want the cops showing up. Yeah, I just don't want the cops showing up. Oh. Yeah, so it was it was a no-win situation. It looked like it was somebody's birthday, like the grandma's birthday. It had like all the grandkids there. Wow. And of course, somebody fucking called the cops. Yeah. And like, I, I have never seen a police officer approach someone more timidly <laughs> and with more respect. I mean, mm, the guy. Yeah. Well, that's good. That's yeah. good. At least, I guess. At least. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. I mean, the guy looked, I don't know, apologetic. It was almost like he was crawling over to them. And I could just see his body language, the whole thing. He was just trying to say, like, please, you know, continue to have your cookout. I just need to have move you move car. your car. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. What a day I, for that shit to happen. Yeah, that's crazy. And I feel like we should live in a world like we always talk about, I guess, you know, what's ideal, right? Yeah. Ideally, someone should be able to come out and have that conversation. Yeah. But I, this, you know, and even with you, it's like, I know, you know, I want to do the right thing, but I don't want to come off as doing the wrong thing. Yeah, I don't want to have the effect of the wrong thing, right? right. No matter the, what my intent is, they can't read my mind. Correct. And the person, you know, inside is saying, I I'm not going outside to talk to them. Yeah. I'd rather <laughs> just have the cops deal with them. Yeah. And doesn't that go wrong so quickly so many times? Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, there's no... And then we talk about what we're talking about, the implicit stuff. There's no benefit of the doubt that that's probably just a reasonable black family who would say, oh, didn't realize we couldn't park here. Exactly. We'll move the car. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not like I was worried about their reaction toward me. I was worried about recalling, like calling up all this fucking fear and Correct. horror Right. them. 
Right. And being and being and being black watch. You didn't want to be black watch. Exactly. But you also weren't going to call the cops. No. <laughs> you know what I mean? But you knew the cops were going to be called. And, 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 and so what, you know, and I think that what we're seeing with all these videos and the Karens and all the, all the crap is like, what, what is an arrestable offense by black people to white people? Like what, 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 kind of like requires the cops to be involved not that you know, yeah so there's like this there's these all of these things that i did not know mm. you could call the cops for are happening now it's like oh you can you, the cops come out for that yes. <laughs> and yeah so it's you know it but it's 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 a form of protection right it is like you're you need to protect my neighborhood from whatever is going on here and even if that's a picnic it's like you're here to protect my neighborhood from these people it's yeah it's not only that it protects white property and white safety it protects white comfort yeah right? i mean going back yeah. to my, my first example Neighbor didn't even call the cops when the guy was looking through a window because he looked like us. Wasn't uncomfortable. Couldn't yeah. have been, could, couldn't have been that big of a deal. Yeah, he's probably just lost. <laughs> yeah, couldn't have been that big of a deal. Whereas there's an APB out, APB out on on the on the black kid who looks into the window. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's you wonder how you ever get back out the other end of this. Yeah. 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 And then, you know, some other random guy walking through the neighborhood is fitting the description. And now he's being, you know, approached with some shit he has no idea about. Yeah. And what we learn now is that he could be approached by the neighborhood or the cops. doesn't matter. Everyone has the authority to approach him. Sure. And a lot of times everybody has the guns. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I get, you know, I, I, we talked about, I think, um, Dred Scott on this podcast before, you know what I mean? And it, it, it makes you think about that, that, that Supreme Court ruling of, you know, the, the black man has no rights that a white man needs to acknowledge. Mm. And how does that play out, you know, in, 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 in 2021, where, hey, look. You can't be here, basically. Yeah. <laughs> you, you can't be here because you make us uncomfortable. And so much comes down to that, right? Mm -hmm. And like we said, these are the liberals. Yeah. These, this is blue state and, you know, all the, all the, all the stuff. It definitely shows the, the higher education doesn't get rid of this kind of thinking. Uh, that's what we're learning as well, right? It doesn't matter. Yeah, which, you know, for me in my professor role is pretty disheartening. Because mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. you would you would think, right? You would. I mean, mm -hmm. I think back to my own education. I got so little of this for years and years. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know. Hopefully I'm bringing in more of this kind of content. And I think you, well, I know you are. I know you are. But we talked about the education system as well and that you can go all the way through to the highest level of education without ever having to deal with any of this stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And plenty of people do. Yeah. And that's black and white. 
Yeah. <laughs> because, you know, there's some black families that would have called the cops as well. It's not, that's not. Oh, sure. <laughs> there, are bl- there are plenty of black people who are just as uncomfortable around black people as white people are. <laughs> Believe me. And honestly, you know, in that particular case, I know people were all riled up about this curb going into the park. And like whoever parked over there, they just repaired the thing. Somebody was probably going to call the cops. But it just looked and felt so much worse for this particular family and certainly on that particular day. Right. And just based on, you know, we can't make the assumption that it wouldn't, they would not have been called for anybody. Exactly. It's just we have so much history and data that says probably not. Exactly. <laughs> and then we go, we go back to your other neighbor, we say, mm, probably would have just came outside and said, hey, buddy, yeah. can, you, can you move your car if you didn't notice? We, you know, simple conversation because that's something that they would have felt comfortable engaging in with someone who looks like them. So then there's that fear, mm-hmm. right? What are they going mean, to say? It's, 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 it's all, it's all, it, you know, even whatever could be called hatred or anything like that is, is fear based. It's all coming from a place of fear and ignorance. Like, That's I true. don't, I don't know you. I don't understand you. I, I'm threatened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and white people really have that comfort of being finding it pretty easy to surround themselves with people who look just like them. Yeah. Yeah. And nobody questioning it. Right. It's not extremist as you said. Right. 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 And I, I just, you know, the thing that trips me up and, you know, I don't, you know, we can, we can, we can talk about where, you know, what the foundation of it is, but like black people historically have, haven't done anything to white people. Like, I like, why? Like, oh, yeah. Like, why the assumption that, you know, I mean, you know, we know birth of a nation and these types of the propaganda and the thing. Like, is that still so deep seated in our society and our culture, even, you know, our, uh, our, you know, our literature, like everything that is Americana? Like, is that so entrenched in? our country that there's still this like big bad black guy who's going to go on a you know a spree of whatever in white neighborhoods terrorizing white women and kidnapping them like what is i don't know i I just it's 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 puzzling to me where this fear comes from because like i said there's certain things that you know you assuming the cops are going to be called on that family is based on something, whether it's true or not, whether they would have called it on a white family too. You're basing that assumption on something. What is the assumption that a black person means no harm? I mean, means harm. Yeah, it's absolutely ingrained, right? That's the, that like the boogeyman that was set up from the earliest days of the slave trade, right? Mm -hmm. If you can demonize these people that you're, crushing with oppression and putting in chains you don't look so bad right yeah 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 i mean there's that great angela davis soundbite where an interviewer asks her about the violence involved in black power movements and she just kind of shakes her head right mentions the birmingham church bombings 
And just how are you asking me about violence? Yeah, 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 yeah. And then there's the um, Tamika Mallory quote from, you know, just last year where she, you know, they're talking about the looters and she's saying, well, we're, you guys taught us how to loot. Yeah. <laughs> like we, we learned all of this stuff from being here. Like this, you know, this is all American. Yeah, man. It's, I mean, the more that you start to read and study, the more you really see the origins of this, but mm -hmm. it doesn't exactly present the solution. Yeah. Well, and I think that, um, you know, when we talked about the comfort in things being, you know, the way they are, whether we're talking about, uh, you know, the make America great again stuff, or we're talking, we're talking about even, you know, some of the moves that are, um, president elect is making in terms of just kind of turning back the clock a little bit to status quo. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the construct of America kind of has relied upon like not pulling that, you know, bandaid off that, not exposing that, mm -hmm. that, 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 that wound, you know what I mean? Just kind of keeping it plastered, keeping it covered and saying, as long as we can just keep these bandages on this wound, like we'll never have to deal. Yeah, and that's where, as trite as it can sound to say that education is part of the answer. It's and also part of the problem. <laughs> that's true, right? It's been weaponized. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's been it's been weaponized. And that's, and when you talk about the systems and what what creates systemic racism, right? Like if, yeah. if systemic racism was Voltron, you know what I mean? <laughs> like for, that's an old um, cartoon. <laughs> well, I, we probably have all old listeners. I think they all remember Voltron. I think so. But, um, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, each one of those lions is kind of, you know, education's one of them and education so, medical yeah, care yeah 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 <laughs> combine yeah 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 inform this the, the, the mighty the mighty robot called systemic racism yeah uh -huh. <laughs> so you know um yeah it's been weaponized man it should be the thing that frees us it really should yeah and i and think more i would say more so than you know, and we talked about this before, and I've told you, like, you know, what you do with um, in the classroom is so much more important than, you know, the the instant gratification of like checking your neighbor on her implicit bias like that she's gonna she's gonna call you an asshole close her door and <laughs> keep thinking exactly what she thinks yeah. but if you can get 15 20 you know uh 25 19 year olds to 22 year olds thinking about this stuff as they move on and go into the world that's that's the victory man you hope so right yeah, man? i mean the victory I've definitely had the student who told me he transferred from another school because they talked about this stuff so much. Mm. And he was basically saying like, you know, I can't escape it. Yeah. And there's always going to be that. Yeah. 
There's always going to be that, but that's also, you know, that's learned behavior, right? Like we that's know, true. we know that guy's parents, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I will say he, he could have been playing it up just for a grade in the class, but I will say uh, there were moments that he came around by the yeah. end of a semester. So I have some hope yeah. for the guy. Hopefully he went on and learned some things in future classes, wherever he went to school. Here's the thing. He could no longer claim it ignorance that's true that's that's because of you you know what i mean like he can now whether he whether he wanted to still subscribe to whatever he subscribes to that's that's another thing that's up that's completely up to him but the job of making sure that he didn't leave there not considering any of this stuff you took you took that off the table so you know and that's all that's really all you can do man that's all we can do Guess that's true, and yeah. I think that's 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 education. You know, uh, working towards you know this goal instead of working against it. And I think you know, what I mean, the majority of uh, our education, and you know, even what we talked about, like the um, the the uh, we talked a few times about just kind of the backlash to the 1619 project and just the overall kind of pushback on learning different, you know, alternative history, you know, and what really may have happened and, you know, what the conditions really were in certain times, you know, whether it be the founding of this nation or things like that. And, you know, just people not wanting to deal with like, how many signers of the Declaration of Independence were slave owners and just like that not that not being something we need to bring up. Yeah, you know, I think American education has been much more comfortable to go back to that term with black exceptionalism mm. than they have been at, at really looking at the roles of white Americans in mm. oppression and inequality, right? I mean mm. That's why they like to bring out somebody like George Washington Carver and say, look at this guy. Look what he did. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't want to really talk about what he was up against, or, right. you know, the systems that he had to fight his way through. But look at this right. guy. Look what he did. Isn't that right. nice? Right. 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 And that's when they're not just that's when they're unable to just claim whatever was done as, you know, <laughs> their own invention right you know these uh, you know the countless slaves who you know had their patents stolen or just were you know not or their ideas stolen and then patented not because they never had patents but you know their ideas um taken and patents being done on them and you know yeah you're right and so it all kind of feeds into the same machine and um, so, like I said, I think, you know, we're talking about allyship again. I don't know that the allyship comes from, you know, those one-on-one encounters where you're able to, you know, tell someone about themselves and and, and unracist them. I think um, it's more so, you know, kind of some of the things you stand on from from a life's work kind of kind of sense i mean you know i think that uh you know you're uh we talk about legacy and stuff like that and you know just kind of what you know what doctor or you know professor mickey s you know will be known for and known as i think i think those you know that having you know a a mission to kind of 
have these dialogues and have this critical way of thinking and approaching race and race matters and culture in America and that kind of being what I would consider one of the like pillars of like what you do from a career standpoint and in and, and your writing and everything like that, that, that looms way larger than not checking the neighbor when she says something stupid. That's good to hear. I don't know. <laughs> that's not, that's not making, that's not excusing it. And yeah. you know, there's probably some black folks who like, you're letting him off the hook. Yeah. I think that, you're probably letting me off the hook. I mean, but yeah. what are you, what are you, what are you, you know, what are yeah. you going to do? And what does that, you know, like I said, you were probably caught off guard more than anything. And I'm sure you went home and was like, damn, I should have said something back, but I was totally thrown off. It's a moment. missed of opportunity. Course. It was. Of course. And I will say, you know, I think you are letting me off the hook, but uh, yeah, I mean, since then in similar situations, if it's someone I know well enough to text or email, you know, maybe that night I would send them like a short little article, mm -hmm. um, something by Claudia Rankine, who I mentioned before, or Joma Aluo, and just be like, hey, oh, you know, you know, I don't know what you, you know, thought about this. You know, they're not reading. I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah I try to choose a really short one. <laughs> <laughs> and here and there i've gotten people who texted back a few times and actually seem to be thinking about it that's beautiful yeah that's beautiful that is a victory <laughs> yeah, i'll take that one i'll take yeah, that one for, for sure. sure for sure for sure for sure <laughs> well man if we don't have anything else man i think we can um wrap this one now this was a good conversation though no, i think we picked up right where we you know left off with this 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 never-ending conversation definitely about um america and its uh you know denial mm -hmm. of uh of where we stand but i i you know it, yeah i the overt and covert thing is um yeah that's kind of a that's a thing that's always going to, 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 to baffle and puzzle me. And, you know, who thinks they're racist and who thinks they have bias and who does not. And even, you know, in spaces like in, in the workplace and stuff like that. And there's, you know, all of these um, bias trainings and diversity forums and, you know, how many of them actually include like, you know, whether they're black consultants who come in to do these trainings or whether they're, they're you know, they're actually, uh, they have any diverse staff to even have a diversity yeah. <laughs> thing. I mean, you know, you're, you're counting yeah. on, you're counting on the two black employees to, to, to give their thing on what the diversity forum should be. You know, there's a lot just, of pressure. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot happening now with even those who claim to be, you know, doing the right thing or wanting to do the right thing. It's so woven into yeah. kind of what we do that even the right thing is like, ah, uh, it's not the right thing. Yeah, I mean, that's the two black employees. That's a lot of pressure and that's a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. So if I can help a little bit, um, I'll continue to try to learn how to do that. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure so yeah man uh this has been another great episode of a guest in the house podcast man i am trom diggs aka david shanks or david shanks aka trom diggs i'm mickey hess uh, it's a guest in the house yes 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 peace love black power and unity and togetherness and all the all that good stuff yeah, we'll see you next time for sure